Tonight, the North Korean hackers going even further. This was just the latest in a series of leaks. 143 million Americans, one of the largest cyber attacks in this country's history. Estimated losses from these breaches in excess of $20 billion. Hello and welcome back to Decrypted, a cybersecurity podcast for the everyday American. I'm your friendly neighborhood cyberman, Jacob Besida, and I'm joined by my partner in cybercrime, Dayton Williams. It's great to be here, Jacob. Great to have you. Put all your thinking cap, listeners. This week on the podcast, we're going to dive into the classroom as we look at how we educate the cybersecurity all-stars of tomorrow. We'll discuss what cybersecurity education looks like in America today. What are the trends in cybersecurity education? Who is pushing for a greater emphasis in the field? We will also talk up the interesting approaches teachers are taking to prep their students for a career in cyberspace. Finally, we'll talk with an expert educator on the challenges of teaching cybersecurity today. According to the Global Information Security Workforce study, by 2020, the cybersecurity industry will need 1.5 million more workers than will be qualified for jobs. This is a huge shortfall. Positions in information security are growing increasingly relevant for economic and national security of the United States. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics projects cybersecurity jobs to increase 18% through 2024, which is more than twice the average for all occupations. In a world connected by smartphones, e-commerce, social media platforms, the impact of cybersecurity across industries has reached a new importance in our modern society. As we've discussed on the podcast in the past, the surface area of our networks have grown greater these last few decades, and with greater surface area comes greater risk. To minimize the risk, We have to have an educated workforce to protect our personal information, intellectual property, and national interest. That's right, Jacob. In the United States, cybersecurity curriculum has gone under a dramatic transformation over the last 10 to 15 years. For most, cybersecurity curriculum is introduced at the high school level, refined at the undergraduate level through computer science programs, and ends with a more refined cybersecurity graduate program. Unfortunately, exposure to these programs is pretty limited, and at the lowest levels, many modern students are not exposed to the potential of a career in cybersecurity. Well, Jacob, when did you first get exposed to computer science, for instance? For me, it was when I uh, went into college to start my undergraduate degree. So I didn't even have the benefit of beginning in high school. Right. And if, if you start so late in your in your educational career on what this potential of your, your future could be, it's unlikely that people are going to go into the program. And it kind of shows this like lack of, of engagement for young people. Data collected by the nonprofit ISC2 shows that only 7% of cybersecurity workers were under the age of 29 and 13% were between the ages 30 and 34. The average age of a cyber professional today in the United States is 42 years old. A great many organizations are recognizing these emerging workforce education trends and are capitalizing on the need to fill these roles. For instance, the Department of Homeland Security, or DHS, and the National Security Agency, known better as the NSA, have introduced an initiative to establish Centers for Academic Excellence in Cybersecurity, which promotes higher education and research in the field. Today, more than 200 higher education institutions participate in the program. The NSA has also funded summer camp programs for American elementary, middle, and high schools in their Gen Cyber programming. Companies like Google, Amazon, and other tech giants have forked over millions to schools across the country to encourage exposure and training for future cybersecurity experts. Even the Girl Scouts are offering a cybersecurity badge to members who learn to combat online extortion, espionage, and data theft. That's just so cool, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, that's not something you expect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wonder what the badge looks like. We should we should use that for our logo for Decrypted from now on. Probably is very cool. Uh, middle and high schools across the country are also leaning into incorporating more cybersecurity for their student body. 
Unlike English or math, one of the biggest challenges for teaching cybersecurity is that the subject is always changing. Lessons can become obsolete and can complicate instructions for teachers and students alike. To accommodate for these changes, instructors rely on various online sources, like Hacker High School and Cyber Aces, where students can learn the fundamentals of protecting networks. Another important aspect of cybersecurity education is participation in competitions, like Cyber Patriots, which is sponsored by the Air Force. Despite the pivot to focus on cybersecurity and tech in general, there is still this lacking, there's still this kind of gap between what is always being emergent and what is already known. And as you have just said, you know, there's this, there's, there's this time between things where lessons become obsolete, as you said, but also it's difficult to teach exactly how to be in cybersecurity until you really experience it in the workforce. I think a lot of people have a difficulty of understanding what life is actually going to be like until you're actually in the environment. I think you're exactly right. And one of these issues is that people aren't being exposed to this environment at all. Um, it's, for instance, uh, if you talk to an elementary student, elementary school student, you say, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? They're not going to say, oh, I want to do network security. Um, it's not, it's not, I guess this isn't the best way to say this, but it's not the, the sexiest profession. And that's something that I think we're both trying to do, uh, increase exposure for this, this industry. Um, but also, you know, kind of talk and underline how important it is and how we want to get younger people engaged in this kind of, uh, this kind of industry. Right. And I also think even, even with this new focus on education, I think there's often a sort of, it's, can we appear opposing for people that actually have quite good prospects for the field who have a good talent with coding or just, you know, with tech in general, that would probably benefit from a career in cybersecurity or, or feel off put because they don't have these, they have, don't have an undergraduate education or a graduate education. And, you know, we, we, you often lose talent in a field where it's desperately needed because of these kind of like barriers to entry almost. Right, right. And I think another another one of those barriers to entry really is that a lot of schools just don't have the funds to uh, create these programs. And that like it's really difficult, as you said, it's difficult to fill these cybersecurity positions in the workforce. Imagine how hard it is to find a cybersecurity teacher, someone who knows and has the ability to teach this stuff. Um, the skills are so marketable in the, the private and the public sector that it's hard, I think, to find someone who could do it for an education. And as we know, like teacher salaries in the United States aren't the highest. And uh, it, there's a lot of incentives to not pass on your information, which uh, if we want to build this skilled workforce, something that we're going to have to, you know, lean into. I agree completely. Maybe it's time we need to start rethinking how we educate people on cybersecurity. To get into this a little bit more, let's talk to our expert. Yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Evan Dornbush. I am the co-founder and CEO of a company called Point3 Security. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us. Well, first things first, could you tell me a little bit about Point3 just to give our listeners some background? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in a nutshell, we are hackers uh, in the business of identifying and cultivating the next generation of uh, hacker talent. Excellent. So in generating this new talent, how exactly do you go about you know, uh, teaching this, you know, how, how does one go about teaching cybersecurity as a school of thought? Yeah. So to me, cybersecurity really is, it's about two things. Uh, one is the ability to conduct research and two is the ability to persevere. Uh, that is not to give up as soon as you get frustrated and you, in my experience, you really can't teach either. You have to teach yourself and that's hard. It's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. They just want somebody to say, "Give me the book. I'll read the book and become an expert, or I'll attend the lecture, the you know the five day boot camp, or you know I'll watch the the webinar and I'll, I'll become an expert." And 
it really doesn't work that way in my experience. So at point three, what we have done is uh, we use the analogy that we have set up a gym. Uh, we call it Escalate, uh, a little knock on privilege escalation. And the the idea is everybody wants those muscles. They want to, you know, they want to be buff, but very few people actually invest the time to lift the heavy weights up and down. And we have built, um, if I can use jargon for a minute, I guess a cyber gym, and I hate the word cyber, and I've already just discredited myself on, on your podcast, but we have the cyber gym. And what that means is we have just a series of authentic challenges for individuals that want to learn this. Um, we, we give them we give our members challenges that are authentic they're modern and we simulate the ability for someone to demonstrate that they can conduct research and we simulate or, or give them somebody uh, a simulation a simulated ability let me start with that part over sure inside escalate we provide through simulation the ability for one of our members or all of our members to show us that they can demonstrate research uh, and conduct research. We show them, uh, or we give them the ability to show us that they can persevere through some hard challenges. We do that in two ways through Escalate. Uh, number one is everything's an open book. Uh, there's, you know, there's an old adage in the SIGINT community, like there's no cheating in SIGINT, and we believe that with Escalate. You can, you cannot do wrong. Everything is set up as a capture the flag. Once you solve it, uh, a particular challenge in a variety of topics from reverse engineering to exploitation to um, implant development, arc operations, memory forensics, once you extract that flag out of the particular challenge, you have shown us that you've, you've, you've conducted your own research, your own development to build your own tools or bring your own tools or identify your own tools that will help solve that challenge. And in terms of helping people persevere, because some of these challenges are designed to be hard because that's that's realistic. It doesn't make sense that you can always find some out-of-date service and just grab something off the internet, cut and paste, and, and exploit your way to success. We, we have built a community, and all of our members can communicate with each other. They can communicate with our professional mentors that sit on the platform and encourage everyone to go through. And I think with those two elements, you get a really positive environment to help yourself invest your time and, and, and self-teach. I mean, you come from, uh, you speak from experience. You didn't start off in the technical domain. You transitioned into it. So I, I think this is a fairly apt way of learning the subject matter. It, it isn't just plug and play with a tool. You, you, there's a lot of nuance to, to understanding how cybersecurity works. There's a lot of interrelation between subject matters and finding new and innovative ways of uh, approaching a problem. Yeah, and I think, I think I learned that slowly and I learned that painfully. I think most of my life I was waiting for someone to teach me the cyber, right? I went to school for it. I took a bunch of uh, internships while at school for it. I got my master's in, in cybersecurity. And at the end of the day, even with, with a master's degree, I, I had nothing, right? <laughs> I had no skills, no abilities, no confidence. And really, I was fortunate. I was blessed. Um, I, my employer identified that and was okay with that. And all of my hands-on training was through my employer through really uh, an apprenticeship model where you know, a, a journeyman a master operator in, in the craft of applied cybersecurity kind of brought me on as an apprentice and, and showed me the ropes and let me grow over time. Much more effective than, again, learning from, from whiteboard presentations and PowerPoints and multiple choice tests. Yeah, so you agree that there's a disconnect between what is taught in school and 
just core experience in the field or even just participation in like contests such as red teaming or in the National Cyber League sort of a thing? Yeah, I mean, there is a huge disconnect. And as a as a new business owner, that that's why my company point three exists and, and why we're growing. I think there's there's definitely a huge disconnect between what employers need on their work floors, on, you know, in their socks and their answer response teams on the red teams, how human resources recruits to find that talent and and how colleges and schools are, are preparing that talent. And it's, it's really shameful. I know that um, to the extent I think IBM and Deloitte are doing a really good job promoting something called new collar. Uh, and that is, Hey, you used to need a college degree just to get the interview. And that, that's really discriminatory. It really shuts out huge swaths of the population that have very good cybersecurity talent. And to the extent that those large companies can can preach, we're going to ride on top of it. Because I agree with you uh, that it, the, you know, half of my employees don't even have college degrees. I, I as an employer, I don't care. You know, as, if you've got skills and a good work ethic and you want to be part of a cool team, like that's what we're looking for. And that's what most of our customers are looking for as well. So you've kind of hinted at a sort of obstacle that's been created, you know, the, the idea you need a college degree before you can even get into cybersecurity. What other obstacles exist in educating a workforce about cybersecurity? I think the obstacles are a reliance on what has worked in the recent history of, of, of I guess, this country. And, and that is, to me, school is, is what I learned in school was, was really elegance. Uh, you know, I got my master's degree in computer security and I feel like I got that degree solely off of loose leaf paper and, and whiteboards. Um, we're talking about theoretical efficiencies and computational models, but, but security really is not theoretical. It's, it's the hands-on study of, of someone's implementation of something, right? And, and I think that, that's very different. That, 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 that's very different from what people in the field are looking for, from what schools are teaching. And so to shim that, to, to explain the disconnect, just to land that interview, you needed that college degree. And then to even be considered, I think employers realized, well, the degree is not the degree doesn't match necessarily to a good employee. So industry, what do you got? And industry is like, oh, we got these certifications. So, okay, so the certifications are like, let's memorize some definitions. And if you agree you know, on a true or false question that encryption is inherently good, then congratulations, now you're <laughs> certified, right? Yeah, none, and, of this goes, <laughs> none of this goes into letting you like learn how to think about cybersecurity. No, it's all rote memorization and it's it's doing what somebody expects is explicitly expecting for. And, and I think I think that's a problem, right? So now you've got degrees and on top of degrees, now you need certifications. And now um, what you're seeing now is a trend, I think, and I tell this to young people all the time that are looking to break into cybersecurity, even though you have to get that degree because society requires it and you have to get those certifications because again, large employers and society require it, people are being recommended to do capture the flag exercises, get yourself like a GitHub account and show that as a portfolio because employers are, are now looking for skills and skills and college degrees are not necessarily congruent. I would agree <laughs> from personal experience. So point three develops cybersecurity tools, more specifically tools that are used in like training for cybersecurity expertise. So what goes into developing these tools exactly? Is it based around the needs of certain uh, capabilities or built on a need basis? And how much of it is proactive versus reactive? Or is it neither? Let me, ref 
Let me try and rephrase the question a little bit just so it pertains. Sure. So at point three, inside our Escalate ecosystem, we have a series of hands-on challenges. And the challenges, to solve the challenges, they dem- they, a member must be required to either research and or develop his or her own tools. Um, you can bring anything to the party you want. Again, no cheating, you know, ain't cheating, ain't trying. But the the idea, I guess to answer your question, in my opinion, I think the best tools are reactive, if, if the answer is either proactive or reactive. And what I mean by that is you really want to identify a problem or a thing that you're doing in repetition and then figure out a way to programmatically make your life easier. Your ability to do that, I think, makes you successful in any industry you work in, whether it's cybersecurity or other. I think that's a fair answer to that. So point three is very oriented towards human intelligence behind cybersecurity. It's not just the tools, as you said. You know, wh- how, how does that come into the picture? Is it ethical, innovative um, decision making? What, sort of, what sort of area does human intelligence play? Yeah, so I like the question because our company really revolves around it. Um, our company motto is hashtag it takes a human, uh, which is short for it takes a human to keep us safe. And to me, what I've observed kind of growing through the cybersecurity industry, um, you know, now as an old man in it, you have adversaries that are very good at breaking machines. That's what adversaries do. And you have a cybersecurity industry that invests billions and billions of dollars into making new machines. And, and to me, that's crazy. I think there has to be a human element because the human is going to have that gut intuition and realize what is or isn't working for that particular operation, um, whether you're a small business or a, a large multinational or a government group or even an, you know, an academic institution or nonprofit. You have to have humans in the loop. and. I think the community reflects that. I think if you go to any cybersecurity conference or um, follow anyone on uh, you know, social media that's you know an influencer in the space, what you find is a lot of attraction in the do-it-yourself environments, right? Raspberry Pi is sexy. PowerShell is sexy. Python is sexy. None of those require significant investments. None of those are $200,000 magic boxes with blinking lights. Uh, those are small, tangible things that people can use to implement a better solution for what that person is doing at home and in the workforce. As we move into the future, and you've kind of hinted at machines getting smarter, with the onset of machine learning become very popular, and it's probably inevitability of being incorporated into cybersecurity, uh, how, do you, how do you see that affecting your human-backed approach? Do you see it as something that's going to be trying to replace you, or maybe it's just an augmentation, or something else, perhaps? Yeah, good question. Uh, I think so. I think a couple things on machine learning. So, if you're not, if your listeners aren't familiar with the Gartner hype cycle, I, I highly recommend everyone look that up. Um, the Gartner hype cycle is beautiful because you you have this new technology, this new thing, whether it's machine learning or blockchain or, or <laughs> time travel. I don't know whatever you have, and and it's world changing. And there's so much hype behind it. And it, of course, that particular technology applies to every problem domain. And then people realize, oh, my God, this is, this is useless. We can't use it for anything. And then everything balances out, and you're somewhere in the middle. I, I think machine learning is somewhere, in the, is somewhere along that, that path where, to me, machine learning and artificial intelligence in a security context should be best applied to helping human analysts 
analyzed more efficiently, not to replace the analyst. Again, it's no different from those shell scripts that analysts are currently writing. Um, machine learning is obviously more powerful where it can do a lot of if this, then that, and um, apply different uh, contextual structures in, in mind and, and be much more efficient with, with an analyst's time. But you need a human in a loop. And again, that's why training and continuous learning are so important because the skills matter. The ability to communicate what's going on to a non-technical audience is just as important. And I don't think machine learning does that. I think, if anything, it actually increases the need, it seems like, for human intelligence. The, the more complex the tools and the more complex all these, all, all these computers are getting, you, you need even smarter people, people who aren't just going to understand it as a tool. You need, to, you need them to understand the entire environment of security now. Yeah, I agree. There are a couple of uh, reports that I've read uh, in, in recent weeks that, that, um, that back that up, that state that, you know, the... Uh, if you purchase a box that's you know a hundred thousand dollars or whatnot, and it does some magic. Great, you'll you'll get a hundred thousand dollars worth of value out of it, maybe. But if you purchase a hundred thousand dollar box and then a hundred thousand dollar employee to manage that box, you get way more return on investment because that analyst or that technician is using that box to its potential by extending it through APIs and uh, other uh, abilities to uh, merge and, and structure data in context with the other technology that's in a business's um, you know, a corporate enterprise. And so uh, the machines, the software, the hardware, the sensors, they really, they're best augmented by a human that can kind of pull those strings. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So returning to our earlier conversation about do we need to rethink how we're teaching cybersecurity? I think in light of our, this recent conversation that we need to be focusing less on learning specific tools and practices of cybersecurity and more focusing on how, these, how, how to build better people for cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. Right. Like a security mindset is something that I think the interview that you had really uh, honed in on. It's like changing the mindset of, of people and making it so that those people are flexible and versatile enough to use any tool that's put in front of them rather than teaching them specific tools. Um, one of the things I've been asking some of my friends who are involved in cybersecurity around, around campuses is that um, a lot of people are taught specific tools and then they'll go into the workforce and they'll use those tools. But eventually those tools just aren't used as much anymore. And slowly but surely, your ability to operate in the space just kind of erodes away. Um, so I think changing people's mindsets and making people more adaptable and able to uh, function in the space in that security mindset is something that is really important to create people who are effective in the field. A real good question to ask is, how, how are we going to change people's minds about how they approach this? I mean, you know, in education, it's much it's it's hard to find people that are really qualified for the subject matter because, you know, the pay gap that you're having. How, how do you really change people's mind that, you know, it's almost like an open-ended research sort of a thing, you know, that you that you really need to experience having all the tools at once and just having to figure it out yourself for the most part? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it is exposure and getting people to know that it's something that could be, like, challenging and engaging but also fun. Um, I mean, I'm speaking from not the perspective i don't i don't know how to do cyber security work as well as you do for instance um i wouldn't sell yourself I, I, too short <laughs> yeah well i'm gonna i could sell myself short all day uh but I, I think it's about like engaging people and getting people to understand the issues and uh get them excited about it like i i remember growing up having like you know in elementary school having those uh you know the parents of the kids come to work 
and talk about what they do. And, uh, you know, that was the first time I heard about the existence of like a lawyer, like a lawyer came and spoke to our class and we went to the local, um, like local court courthouse in the city. And I was like, Oh wow, this is a profession that's possible. Right. Um, I don't think that's really being done today. It might be, I don't think it is. Um, and that's because there's not many people in this space and it's likely going to increase heavily over the next few decades. I think there's a big emphasis, you know, there's always a big emphasis on more people going into tech. You know, you hear it bombarded from all sides. You, you, you read newspaper articles on it. You watch the news. You hear your parents tell you, what are you doing with your life with that liberal arts degree? I've been there. <laughs> I, I can speak from personal experience on that matter. But, but you know, like, why, why aren't people interested in the field? I, you know, you shouldn't force somebody to go into a field you don't want to go into, obviously. But I, right. think, I think the problem is that we're, we treat it as its, as its own separate, isolated domain, and that only the tech whizzes are ever going to get into it. And, and in reality, you're actually you're crippling the field by losing these people who might bring a different outlook to these problems. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we're even being, to even step a, take a step further back, is that I think we're, we're talking about education. We've talked a lot about um, elementary, middle school, high school, college, uh, undergrad, and then grad. I think there's also a huge market and possibility to engage people who are... Um, who are switching careers or who want to get involved in cybersecurity from even a different perspective. I mean, there's a lot of nonprofits who are training. Um, for instance, there's one in, in Appalachia, I think in West Virginia, that's retraining ex-coal workers to go into coding. Um, and it's been like wildly successful. And I know in Providence, there's a whole bunch of um, smaller scale IT cybersecurity learning centers that are that are opening up in, in the city. Um and it, it's, it goes to show that like people are slowly waking up to the fact that this is like a lucrative, professional, respectable field that's like a possibility. Um, but the question is like, are these people being taught correctly? Are these people being taught to uh, adequately confront these um, the challenges that we're facing as as a, a growing complex society in, in this in this day and age? Right. I mean, at the end of the day, despite this all being about cybersecurity, this is still kind of investing into human capital. You know, it, it, it is kind of you get in what you you get out of it, what you put into it. So we're talking about changing the mindset and we're talking about getting people invested in the field and, and popularizing it in a way. And like I'm using like the traditional term of popularizing in a sense, like getting a lot of people invested in the field. What do you think are some strategies or what are ways that people can continually improve or continually perceive themselves as, um, you know, these cybersecurity? I don't know. I think warriors may be a strong word. I know that you have a, a connection to the the idea of a cyber warrior, but uh, what are some ways that people can stay invested in and stay in that mindset, if you will? If, does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two ways. First one uh, is recommend those people to listen to Decrypted. It's an excellent cybersecurity podcast for the everyday American. These <laughs> is it? Is it? <laughs> the second, really? Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I've I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's I've all right. It's all right. Uh, the second one. I think offering the proper incentives to the field is, is definitely a good step. Uh, for instance, this podcast is, is brought to you basically by the Scholarship for Service program, which, you know, without which I would not be able to afford the equipment that I that I use for the podcast, as well as the time that I'm able to dedicate to the subject outside of my own coursework. You know, and, and the having these scholarships and things like that are definitely a good incentive for people to see like, oh, well, you know, this would this would kind of allow me a a fairly, you know, low consequence, like time to actually work in the field. You know, I can develop my skills mm-hmm. while getting good education and also, 
still uh, still making some money at the time to to afford to live you know so it's not the worst thing for like younger professionals which is i mean as we're seeing you know we definitely need to add younger people into the mix for cybersecurity, obviously so obviously programs like that are a good place to start just offering good incentives but even beyond that i think it goes kind of to the heart of again how we approach the subject rather than it being ooh spooky tech and i i don't know if i can handle that i think we should really kind of begin the education of what cybersecurity is and security is at a younger age so that people can understand that it is it is a career option to them you know earlier on mm-hmm. i really like the idea uh so a couple of years ago i worked at the um cyber caucus in dc with representative james langevin of rhode island and uh, one of the big things that the cyber caucus was kind of championing championing across the country was encouraging um computer science at like the elementary level and uh increasing exposure in that way so like first period you go to english second period you go to math third period not only do you go to computer class you go to like programming coding class um because like kids i sound like an old person but like kids nowadays are so much more exposed that you don't i don't think they need to be exposed to technology the same way i think we were you know i when you were in elementary or middle school i assume you took like a computer class right right something that makes you seem almost ancient it feels like you know i feel to us that's like the saying like oh it's a floppy disk you know you put it in the computer. <laughs> yeah like but, but i feel the same way like the way my mother talked about how she had to take a typewriting class, yeah yeah, right? yeah yeah that sort of thing um yeah yeah so like we took a computer class and we learned how to use microsoft paint and you know uh you know, we're, we're taught how to use word processors, but now that's so ingrained into every subject. Like you can learn how to use a word processor in your English class. Right. Right. You should. Um, yeah. And you, you will, if you're planning on to continuing on an undergraduate degree. But I think like that reconceptualization of what computer class should be, I think is a huge step. Cause I think getting more people exposed and excited and jazzed about a life and a career in working with computers is like a huge step towards then exposing people to uh, the cybersecurity field, which I think is, is a much easier jump to make than, you know, I'm going to be a firefighter <laughs> to I'm going to be a cybersecurity professional. Right. Decrypted is based upon work supported by the National Science Foundation under grant number 1433425 for the CyberCorp program at the George Washington University. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this material are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of the National Science Foundation. You can always put stuff in, like, different snippets. You could make me say things that I didn't actually mean to oh, say always, by taking it out I of context. I always do that. I just keep it. I just keep it for my <laughs> record. It's, just, it's in a folder li- labeled uh, Dayton Blackmail. Dayton. But uh, yeah, the Dayton Blackmail. Yeah, folder. the Dayton Blackmail. It's big. It's really big. I gotta be honest with you.